There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Todd Bowles tried to clarify just exactly what he was thinking about shoving those timeouts in his pocket. And essentially, he wanted or felt more comfortable about their chances in overtime. Didn't want to risk an interception. I think he forgot who he had at quarterback. We're going to talk all about the poor clock management that was a big story in the Bucks 23-17 to 17 loss at Cleveland. In just a moment, we've got some mailbag questions along those lines as well that we'll get to. Also going to do a mailbag tomorrow. You can s- submit those questions now. We're getting a bunch of them, uh, not just on the Bucks, but on the you know everybody, the Lightning, the Rays, uh, college football, you name it. You can do that on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at FL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll talk about the Lightning's win at Buffalo as well. Uh, but first, I uh, want to remind you guys, if you want to save money on your electric bill, we've got some solutions for you. It's called May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems for a dozen years. There's a ton of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship. With a 30-year labor and service warranty, plus with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is is the main difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know uh, who's doing the job. All those guys up there on the roof, that's Billy Mays' guy. If you start saving today, you can call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and your appliances. That's May Electric Solar, 727 819 2862. You know, I, I was kind of hopeful in my own mind, and I was thinking about this. I got up very early and I was flying home from Cleveland, and we knew that Todd Bowles was going to speak, you know, around 1230 or so, sort of a post mortem from the game on Sunday. And he just, he just seemed like unprepared to answer the question about why he, you know, had a couple of timeouts left in his pocket at the end of regulation. I mean, here's what happened. You know, the Bucks give up the, the touchdown on fourth down that ties the game. And there's only 32 seconds left. And they could have stopped the clock much before that. Uh, they had all three timeouts. A good time, there's two times that they, you know, probably was optimum times to do it. One would have been after uh, David Njoku. Uh, they threw the screen pass to him on third down, and Levante David makes a great open field tackle for a loss of one. And so you know that there's only one down, and they're going to do what? They're going to either score to tie the game, or the game's over, right? So if they score, you could preserve as much time as you wanted to. So right there, when Levante David on third down prevented them from scoring in the end zone, they could have just called timeout right there. And and what are you going to lose? Now, is there a chance that the next snap, you know, maybe uh, there's a defensive pass interference or a hold or something like that, and they get an automatic first down? Yeah. But they would have had enough time anyway, even if you didn't call timeout, um, to have to have addressed that and scored. So, 
it was just insurance. It was just basically like, look, we're gonna we're gonna win the game right here. It's, they got one play to try to tie it up, and, and but if they don't, the game's over. So we'll just take it in the end, and the game will be done. They didn't call timeout there, and the reason was, according to Bowles, didn't want them to have a chance to talk about that play. Well, you know what? They had a play dialed up, and it worked pretty well. So I'm not sure talking about it would have made it much worse. But what it would have done is given Tom Brady. Uh, a lot more time because when he got the ball with 32 seconds, there could have been, I don't know, a minute and a half, minute close to over a minute anyway uh, in that situation. And so that that was number one. The second time that they probably should or could have called timeout, and this is the one that is all over the place, the explanation, um, would have been, you know, they, they get the kickoff and, and on their first play, they're backed up, of course, and, and they decide to throw a screen pass, safe pass to Rashad White. And it gets blown up. It only nets a yard, and he doesn't get out of bounds. Okay, so right there, you could have said, timeout, timeout. We're going to preserve some of this time. We're going to go to second down. We still think we can make a play or two and get in field goal range. Well, the next play, we know what happens. Tom Brady threads one you know, through the eye of a needle between three defenders, he hits Julio Jones for 26 yards across midfield. They're about 12 yards away from attempting a 54-yard field goal, which Ryan Suckup has hit this year. And the problem is they didn't call timeout after the Rashad White play. So by the time they do call timeout when they hit Julio Jones, there's only eight seconds to go. And that's an incredible, incredible waste of, of time. Remember now, you have Tom Brady. Tom Brady, by the way, was 218-0. and 0. Think about that, including playoffs. 218-0 and 0 when leading by seven or a, a touchdown with under two minutes to go. He had never lost in this situation. This was an absolute first for Tom Brady. And, and part of the reason is he's the greatest comeback quarterback in history. I mean... You look at the numbers, you see the number of, of uh, you know, last drive touchdowns he's had and comebacks and all that stuff. Um, he's done this over and over again. He's the clutch gene. He's the guy that just, you know, don't leave him any time on the clock. And the Bucks basically bled the clock themselves. So at that point, they throw incomplete, then it's time for a Hail Mary. That falls incomplete, and you're in overtime. Now, here's what the problem is. Todd Bowles was concerned about turning the ball over in those final seconds before overtime. And what makes no sense about this is a couple of things. One, when does Tom Brady turn the ball over? Um, last time I checked, he's having an historic year when it comes to protecting the football. He has attempted, ready for this, 420 passes and how many have been t- picked off this year? Mm, two. That's a .04% interception rate. That's the lowest of his career. What the hell is Bulls talking about when he says that I, I was fearful they would intercept the ball and go down and kick a field goal and beat us in overtime, or before overtime? Makes no sense, right? We're definitely not at no risk at no biscuit. <laughs> right? We have no biscuits, man. We're not risking <laughs> we anything. We we are risking anything, and the biscuit batter is gone, right? But if you're gonna risk, it, you you know, like you give the you give your your heirloom to Tom Brady, he's gonna protect it, man. 
Well, he's, he's not going to let anything happen to the ball. But as I said last night, too, you've got Tom Brady. Right. If he, right. If, if he did get picked off and you lost, I'll live with that. Sure. Because That's why you got him. The best chance to win the game isn't waiting on a coin toss and, and a potential overtime. It's Tom Brady. They, right. They, it, that's the thing. And it's, I'm glad you brought that up because the bottom line is this. You say you were waiting for overtime. You thought you had a better shot. You thought that your defense was playing well and wouldn't allow the other team to score. How do you know you're going to win the coin toss? I mean, there's a chance they never get the ball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if the coin toss goes the other way and that team drives it down the field and say, I don't know, Carlton Davis falls down, say, for example, mm, like he actually did, and they score a touchdown, Tom Brady's over there by standing by you. How smart was that? Right? Go ask Josh Allen thinks it's messed up that you want to play overtime. Okay? I mean, Kansas City in the playoffs, I believe, scored with, like, they had all of 14 seconds to get that game into overtime. They did it. They won the toss, and Josh Allen still hasn't seen the ball. That's Matt Ryan. So, in the Super yeah. Bowl. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It was, I, listen, I was writing three stories, and as soon as, the, as soon as the Patriots won the coin toss, I knew what story I was going to write that night. There was no doubt in my mind. They were never gonna, Atlanta was never going to see the ball again. And that's the thing about momentum. But, Tom, you're worried about him throwing an interception. Okay, so hmm, let me ask you this. And I did. I said, well, Coach Bowles, on second down, after the safe throw for one yard to Rashad White, he did throw the ball. Not only did he throw the ball, he threw it through a keyhole. There's three defenders all over Julio Jones. And he fits one in there for 26 yards. It was a hell of a play, right? So wasn't there just as much or more chance that he might throw a pick on second down? And if that's the case, if you're going to let him throw it on second down, then for goodness sakes, call timeout after the first down so that when he does complete the 26-yarder, you don't have eight seconds, but you might have, you know, 20 seconds and a couple more plays. Like, it, it makes no sense. His explanation makes no sense. And I was like, well, couldn't his second pass or the one he did throw be intercepted? He goes, yeah, it could have been an interception as well. We said if we didn't get yards on that first play, we wouldn't call timeout. We'd probably just let the clock run. If he saw something, he could throw it, but we didn't get any yards on the first play. We got one or two yards with Rashad, and we were backed up. So if he had thrown a pick and the ball went the other way and they would have kicked a field goal, we just felt better going to overtime, so I didn't do it. He threw the second down. He threw the he threw on the second down, but he saw something. He got it in there, and we called timeout. I'm like, well, then that one could have been intercepted. So what's the? Yeah, it could have been. He said, "This is bowl speaking." It was a risky throw, but he got it in there. Thompson making those throws, and we felt good going into overtime. The way the defense was playing, and we felt we had it right there. So that's the call we made. Whew. Wow. Felt good about the defense. Hmm. This is every defensive head coach I've ever covered right there. They say they trust their offense, but they don't. You know who they trust? They trust the defense to win the game. Win the game. It's coaching scared. Yeah, absolutely. And we're like, you know, he was asked, well, you know, do you think you, do you trust your offense? Oh, yeah, I trust my offense. Well, why are you so, why are you so conservative? Oh, I don't think we're conservative at all on offense. Well, I mean, present evidence, not exclusive, exclusive here. I mean, the, 
you just admitted that you turtled to get to overtime because you were worried about a quarterback who doesn't throw any interceptions. Like I did, you know, if it's Jameis Winston, okay, absolutely, I buy that. Tom Brady in that situation, that's what he lives for. That's what he does better than anybody ever. That's why he's the winningest quarterback of all time. That's why he has the the most fourth quarter comebacks and and the most game winning drives. I'm telling you, uh, and I you can read my timeline. I posted the video. And I feel for Todd because it's like I think he's a good coach and I think he's trying to be honest as he can be. But to a fault here because it's just it's not it doesn't make sense with Tom Brady that you're afraid of an interception. And you think even worse, you think your defense gives you the best chance to win. Well, they didn't. And how do we know that? Because Carlton Davis did fall down. And Amari Cooper did run the ball to the three-yard line after taking a, a pass. And they did win the game in overtime with a run on, on the next play. So everything that Bulls feared, you know, didn't happen. But what did happen was his defense, the one that he trusted more, let him down again. Well, not only that, but so, okay, you get to overtime. How do you plan on winning the game if you don't? If you're scared of throwing an interception, yeah, I mean you're still you're still in the same position. You know you're gonna have to attack. You're gonna have to throw it at some point. Oh, what if they catch an interception? Go down, and kick a field goal. The game's over. Because remember, now you get one possession, they get one. If you don't score a touchdown, they get one possession. If they don't score a touchdown, next next you know next score wins. So, I mean, what's it, the difference? What's the difference in that situation of throwing the interception at the end of the game or in none. overtime? None. There's none. There's none. There's no. It's not like hockey where you got a point because you went to overtime. I mean, all you're doing is you're looking at the clock and you're going, well, there's only so many seconds or, you know, I I don't know if that's, I mean, let's not make a mistake here. We'll have more time potentially. But again, you don't know you're going to win a coin toss. You don't know that your defense is going to stop anybody. That's all on faith. I just think he trusted the defense more in that situation. And you know what? The defense couldn't stop him. But you gave the, you know, you had the game in the quarter in the greatest quarterback of all time's hands, and you and you even let him throw it, but all the while saying, "I was I was afraid we would get an interception." Man, that's just defies logic to me. And he's got to own that. And he tried to explain it. We gave him a bunch of opportunities to try to back out of that, you know. And I don't know. I think even. It didn't work, so anything that doesn't work is a bad decision, but it, I think it might have been better when you're talking about you're the accountability coach. If you just said, you know what, yeah, I, I tried something that didn't work out. Was, that's on me. You know, like I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I was afraid of an interception, and now I realize that the guy holding the ball is historically great with the ball, and I shouldn't have been worried. There was nothing to worry about, so it was, so it was a mistake. It's so hard for some of these guys to admit and, yeah, we all have the benefit of hindsight. I mean, that's what this business is. They devote large swaths of shows on the NFL Network and other places about hindsight, about reviewing games and what would you do different. And, you know, the popularity of the sport is is why 
they're making so damn much money because people want to evaluate things and, and second guess decisions. That's the fun of the game. But I don't know. It, it's, it, it was a, it was, a, it was a tough loss. It was obviously not, there's no good losses. I guess if there's a silver lining, Steve, uh, with respect to uh, what some of the news we got on uh, Monday is that Tristan Wirfs uh, is not lost for the season, or at least they don't think he is. Tristan Wirfs is got a high ankle sprain, so they they're hopeful that he will be back in three or four weeks. Now that's on the optimistic end. I get that there could be setbacks, there could even be further evaluations that changes that. But I'm here to tell you when they when when they won't show the replay on TV because it's quote too gruesome to watch and seeing a guy as tough as he was carted off the field, you I would not have bet you any money that this would have been the prognosis. They are lucky now. The timing never good. Couldn't probably be worse. Here comes the New Orleans Saints, who they haven't blocked in about three years, and that defense is is tough. And you're down to Donovan Smith. On the, on the offensive line in terms of guys that have been here the last two years, especially the Super Bowl year. Donovan Smith, that's it. Everybody else knew. And sadly, Donovan Smith's playing as bad a football as I've seen him play. He just is. Go back and watch the Ravens game. You know, he looks lazy, he looks slow. And then, of course, you know, in some ways you can't fault him. Um, but Miles Garrett just ate his lunch. I mean, my, he just... He he beat him up, and and you can fault the offensive coordinator for not saying, "I'm not going to let that guy win, break the game for us," and put a tight end over there, or chip on him, or do something to help Donovan Smith. But he didn't, and that guy feasted, absolutely feasted. So, just you know, the coaching, you know, it's one thing like the players aren't playing well, and guys drop balls or make mistakes or whatnot. We'll get into that. But the coaching is not giving them the best chance to win. It just isn't. And I, I just think that at some point, you you know, and he he has said we got to coach better. We got, but you only got seven weeks left. Seven weeks, twenty one practices. Of those twenty one, Brady's probably taking seven of them off. So so how much better are you going to get in practice, really? You know. I I don't know, man. It, to me. And you can, I think he lost a lot of a lot of people, you know, with that explanation. And I, I don't think he was being dishonest. I think he really felt that way. But I think you need to trust Brady just a little bit more here. I think you were five and five going in that game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't you trust him? I don't know. I mean, this you know they have lost, you know, to. A, a, a Pittsburgh Steelers team with a losing record. They have lost to. See, after that, they played. They play after Pittsburgh. They oh, lost Carolina, to Carolina. Another team with a losing record and a bad quarterback uh, situation. You know, all these teams they've lost to, these are bad football teams. They're all bad football teams. So you're not a good football team if you keep losing to bad football teams. Those are the teams you're supposed to beat. And yet, and yet, and yet, they're still in first place in the NFC South at five and six. And if you look around, I mean, I think other than Atlanta, 
which could make a run, and the Bucks were fortunate Atlanta didn't win. Um, I the Carolina's not going to beat them. I don't know about New Orleans. We'll find out Monday night. New Orleans is going to come in here and on defense at least give the Bucks absolute fits because I've seen Josh Wells and he'll fight you and he'll do the best he can. They're going to have to help him. He is not anywhere close to Tristan Wirfs. You know, this offensive line has gone from bad to mm, really, really not good. And so it's going to be a story going forward. And the Saints it's coming in, the Saints at Ray J in primetime games the last two seasons. Woof. They destroyed them. Yeah. One game, one year, didn't they shut? It was like 34 to 3. Well, it was 28 three. nothing in the first four possessions, and Tampa Bay had gone 3 and out every time. Yeah. They go 3 and out the first four times, and they do that. And listen, I don't know what, and I asked Bulls this. I go, you got 21 more practices, and you are what you are right now, you know, this many games in. And what what you really think that in seven weeks the you, the light's going to come on? What why? What makes you think that? And you know the default. Well, we just keep working hard, and you know, um, I think they are exactly who they appear to be. You know, just not a very good football team, and certainly not playing well. But but if you're not coaching well, you know what I'm saying? Like, get some help, man. And and he'll never admit this, and I and maybe I'm just way off the reservation here. But I think, listen, he's calling the defense. That's his job. He's still the coordinator. How can he keep track of timeouts and you know where you should take one here or hey you might want to think about taking one there? Like a lot of the coaches I've covered, they would assign one senior advisor whose sole job it was that every game he would make the head coach aware of when he should call timeout, what happens if he doesn't, what the situation is, how many he has. And I can't imagine that, you know, that's fresh in Bowles' mind when he's, you know, actively calling the defense trying to stop Tennessee from scoring so they win the game. That would be all my focus too. So it's it's disappointing if you're a Bucks fan, but I'm telling you, the season is not over. This is the craziest NFL season I've ever seen. Everybody in the South is bad. Everybody in the NFC um, East is pretty damn good. They all got winning records. Watch out for the Washington Commanders. They're red hot right now. But you got to get on a roll somewhere, man. You got to get on a roll. And well, these next you know, three Brady, games are not easy. Saints no. in prime time at home, who's always had your lunch. Right. Then you're at the 49ers. At San Francisco. Good luck with that. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that defense is with Josh Wells. That defense is going to eat. Mm-hmm. And you've got a hot Bengals team that will have Jamar Chase back by then. Red hot. They've been playing well, and they don't have Jamar. And Joe Burrow should be an MVP candidate the way he's playing. I think they're 4-1 and one without Jamar. 3-1 and one or 4-1 and one without Jamar right now. Yeah, and that's just stupid, right? I mean, you, you can do that without your best player. They're playing their best football. And they just out-physicaled the Tennessee Titans in that game. Which is impossible because their team, you know, is built like – they're all built like Vrabel. They're all just, you know, tough as hell and, you know, the scowl and the whole thing. So, yeah, to take them down on the mat and stuff, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. I like Todd. I really do. I I, I do think he, he is and can be a good head coach. But he just has to practice what he preaches to those guys in meeting rooms, you know. 
they're all big boys. Call them out. Call them out. So we probably got some mailbag questions along uh, the Bucks lines. We'll have more tomorrow, obviously, about it, about everything. But uh, I think there were a couple that um, people wanted to get in on. Yeah, rooting for UF asked. Is Todd Bowles the Bucks' Will Muschamp? A good guy everybody wants to see succeed, but who coaches so conservatively that he creates zero margin of error. Also, assuming Caleb Williams wins, has, has Lincoln Riley coached the most Heisman winners? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I would think that, uh, to be honest with you, when you're talking about Caleb, um, I think John McKay, who co- coached USC, may have coached the most Heisman winners. That's They've true, got yeah. like six. You know what I mean? And he coached a whole bunch of them. Ricky Bell and or I don't know if Ricky Bell won the Heisman actually, but um, he had a bunch of running backs, including O.J. Simpson and and some others, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I if I just uh, at the top of my head, I would say maybe John McKay has more. What was the question that was pertinent to this whole situation? Um, Is Todd Bowles the Bucks' Will Muschamp good guy? Everyone wants to see succeed, but coaches so conservatively, there's zero margin of error. I mean, if Will Muschamp is a defensive coach that that trusts his defense and wants and is going to be in a bunch of low scoring tight games in the fourth quarter, that's who he is. And I I just think he's, like I said, he you know, Tony Dungy's a Hall of Fame coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach, man. You know, only African American to win the Super Bowl first one certainly over Lovey Smith's Bears, and yet he had tons of flaws because. Before he got to Indianapolis, one, he didn't have any quarterbacks that were any good or any offense that was any good. But even if they were, if if Trent Dilfer or Sean King gave those guys a three to nothing lead, Tony firmly believed they should win that game three to nothing. Like they shouldn't need they, you don't need any more points than that. That's how much confidence he had. And most of the time his defense did just that. You know, their motto was, Hey, you know, give me seventeen guys. If you give us seventeen, we'll win the game for you. And they would have loved this team because they're averaging about 18 points a game. But, you know, it, it's it's hard to play that way. And so I think, I, I don't know that I, I get the entire comparison, but I understand where you're shooting for. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's bad. It, it's not a, uh, it's not a winning formula. You know, you, you're putting a lot of pressure on your defense and you're kind of absolving the offense of a lot of, a lot of responsibility. And, and really if they're not going to change coaches there, I don't, I don't know why you think you're going to get a different result. That's the other topic that's been out there is that, you know, the aberration was week 10 in Germany and week one in Dallas. Those are the two examples of when you ran the ball, ran it effectively, ran it often, controlled the tempo, played good defense, won the game. That's what you'd like to do. But that's not what you do. What you do is more similar to what happened in Cleveland. That that's who they've been. That that team right there. That that's who they are. A team that can't score, can't put away games on defense. Um, you know, lets teams hang around, lets inferior teams hang around, gets behind bad football teams. Like that's more who they are. And and I don't know that, you know, in six weeks, man. It's week-to-week league, but I don't know in six weeks you can get this thing righted. I might be a Karen tweeted us. There is zero creativity on offense. There was a brief spark in Germany, but the play calling is mostly predictable and boring. 
and the defense is doing well considering how much the offense, with the three and outs, keeps them on the field. Well, it is predictable, um, and this has been a problem. And they, they may not tell you this, but the fact of the matter is when you don't change things dramatically, uh, this is now the third year with Tom Brady in this offense, under this scheme, the way they run the ball, the way they do things, and teams are familiar with it. And you have to change it up. Todd Bowles says he changes it up on defense all the time. You know, I'm quite sure quite sure that the defenses they play when they see on film what the Bucks are doing after three years with Brady, they can gamble on the run. They can not respect play action. They can do these things because it's too stale. It's too staid. It's too familiar. And it's really hard to execute when the other team sort of knows what you're doing because they commit more players than you can block. And I do think that they need to change it up. Um, you, it's very, you can't do it during the season. That's the problem. That's what training camp is for. You can make some tweaks here and there, and I think they probably have. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this offense is way too predictable. You know, I look at the offenses of teams like Miami and San Francisco. They're winning their divisions, and they got dudes and speed, something you don't hear a lot about in Tampa because they don't have it. But they got guys with speed going everywhere, right, left, crossing. You know, your eyes, I mean, it's just only a matter of time until they find an open space. This is not the Bucks' offense. And they put way too much on Brady. And they're bad on first down. That's how they end up with so many. Where they, they were third and seven plus eight times and went 0 for 8. You know, when you're going three and out, three and out, you're just asking for trouble. So, yeah, the predictability is is definitely an issue on this offense. All right, we'll end on this tonight. We'll have more mailbag questions tomorrow, so go ahead and send yeah. them in. But Simon had tweeted us. He says, what is it about NFL coaches just giving ridiculous answers about needing to be better and needing to correct things? Do they not understand that even though we may just be fans, we are not stupid? We know. <laughs> I know. it's You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of default sort of answers in these news conferences and no one's going to be totally honest and it does get it does get boring it does get cliche it it you know i'm not sure it serves a great purpose if if coaches uh, are going to stand up there and, and spit out a bunch of these you know tropes I, I just i have no use for it but they're not going to admit failure you know I mean, once in a while, like there were coaches that would say, "You know what? That's on us. We we you know we coach bad this week. We, you know, we have to have a better week of practice. That's on like my, my assistants have to do a better job." Like, and there's some truth to that. Um, but yeah, just to say, you know, we got to coach better, or we got you know, you're not really offering anything. It, it's it's just they're just hollow words. I mean, of course you got to coach better. Everybody's got to be better. Why aren't you doing it now? Why didn't you do it the first 11 weeks? Did you not realize you weren't winning games? I mean, they've, they've done everything they can think of, you know, short of making changes in on the staff, which would make sense if they did it, but I don't think they're going to do it. You know, so it, it's, it just what, it's just what coaches say to get through press conferences, man. It's like they revert back to the default cliches and things. And you're, you know, you're forced to swallow it because they don't want to give you anything. So that's the world we live in, man. 
that's uh that's why we go out there and record all this stuff for you people you people as steve Duming would say um but anyway we'll have more mailbag questions tomorrow again you can submit those at sports day tv reach me on twitter at nfl stroud email address rstroud at tampabay.com Meanwhile, before we get out of here, real quick, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on this game, and they go up 2 nothing on Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And then before I can go, you know, glory, go to glory days or something and pick up some dinner, they're down 3-2. to two. They give it three straight goals. And then the next time I look at the game, uh, they're down 5-3 with about five and a half minutes to play. And I'm thinking, okay, this is over. Like, Buffalo's actually playing pretty well. Elliott was in net for the uh, Lightning, so you're thinking, well, maybe the you know, that's a goal and a half or so average, which he... Well, you know, Elliot played well tonight. He played very well. And, yeah, he... But but they scored five goals mm-hmm. against him, mm-hmm. you know? So, I guess they didn't play well around him. And it's usually what you requires is that you, if your backup goaltender's in there, you got to play better around him. But I, I, I come home, there's five and a half minutes to go, and I'm like, oh, Buffalo's going to win. They're up 5-3. And then... Disaster fell. If you're a if you're a uh, a Buffalo fan right now, you can't be happy with how they lost that game. They they kind of gift wrapped it a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't you can't blow a two goal lead with five and a half to play, and you, and do it by getting penalties, getting well, yeah. in the box. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't uh, your head, not your head coach isn't going to be happy about that. No, you know no. it's fu- it's funny we've talked many times in the lightning booth and it seems like buffalo always comes to amelie arena sometime in mid-november sometimes around thanksgiving first time and they're always red hot and one of the best teams in the league and they end up losing the lightning and go on a, a bad stretch well they came to amelie arena a few weeks ago and at the time i want to say they were like nine and three something right. in that range Good record yeah, yeah solid start lost the game before Lost to the Lightning that game, and since then they're like two and ten. <laughs> and now they're one, they're one. You know, I think they're the third worst team in the East. Let's take a Denny Green every time. So the light, that's just who were they, they, we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Um, yeah, they're who you thought they were. Now they're, they're the youngest they, team in the league, and and they're definitely improving. Well, they got some skill, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but it's been a minute. It's been a minute since Buffalo had a good hockey team. Yeah, I want to say it's. 12 years since they've been in the playoffs, maybe? Was it back it could, in the Domin- Dominic Hasek days? Yeah, I could be a little off on, on that, but it's they're the, the I think they have was? the longest uh, playoff drought yeah. in the NHL. Well, it's a good thing for the Lightning that they got that one because the rest of the road trip doesn't look as easy to me. <laughs> they're going to Boston next, and I don't know that has have, – have the Bruins lost a game yet at home? Uh, not at home, no. They're 12-0. and 12-0. and Yeah, they've wow. lost three games on the road. So you look at it two ways, and you well, they're due. I suppose you can think, say that, or you can say we're just not. They're not going to lose at home, mm-hmm. you know. And then after that, and it's the uh, Flyers who were Flyers, which you know they're one of the worst teams in the East too. So yeah, I mean they started yeah, they off come. hot, but they're but they're oh seven and three in their last ten games. So they haven't won a game in the last ten. Right, three overtime losses, but oh seven and three. That's not going to John Tortorella can't be happy. No. And Braden Point was terrific in this one. So was Steven Stamkos, Kucherov. I mean, all the all the big guys showed up at appropriate times. So that was good to see. And they get a win with uh, Elliot in the in the um, between the pipes, which is mm-hmm. also a nice bonus. So good for the Lightning. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, more mailbag questions tomorrow for you. We're going to have Matt Baker to break down the college football situation right now. Still some uh, national championship implications with these games that are going to be coming up here, some of them conference championships on Saturday. So we'll do that with Matt Baker. And at some point, Steve, I expect some coaching carousel stuff to start happening here, maybe even with USF. I keep hearing December 5th because that's when there's an important day for transfer portals, I believe. Yeah, the transfer portal opens this weekend. I think a lot of the coaching candidates were waiting to see what jobs were open this week. Right. Um, you know, which surprises and which, which teams made moves, who's right. available, Hugh, who's not. I mean, Hugh Freeze going to Ole Miss, by the way, and so he's back in the SEC. Auburn. He's going to Auburn. Auburn, I'm sorry, yep. did I say Ole Miss? Yeah, yep. Auburn. Former Ole Miss goes going mm-hmm. back to Auburn. Um, Prime, and t- then, Prime Time has confirmed that Colorado's made him an offer. Right, he says. Do you think but, he takes that job? He said there's been lots of, lots of talks with lots of teams. Yeah, including USF. Well, I, I think I think there's a chance he takes the Colorado job, but what other jobs are open and and what are the terms? And and, and who not only take a chance on not only the money they're paying you, but how much coaches. you paying the assistants? What are your yeah, what are you going to invest in your facilities? It's you know all that stuff. Yeah, recruiting and, the, and and you know private jets and those kind of things that all come with that. With prime time. Mm-hmm. Also, they confirmed that uh, your boy, Luke Fickle, now a badger. It's going to make my wall look a lot better with that helmet behind me. But my wife is, uh, I'm, I'm getting her to be excited about it. She wanted Jim Leonard, who still might stay on the staff. We'll see. Um, but I think, I mean, Fickle in the Big Ten, all of a sudden, Wisconsin's not running a 1950s offense. That could get exciting. I think he's a very good coach for that program. I don't Absolutely. think he could coach every program. Yeah, but I think that program, among others in the Big Ten, I think I think he'll be very successful there. So yeah. I hate to see him leave Cincinnati, but right, you know that's an opportunity. You go, okay, I get it, I get why he's taking that move. Well, hopefully he's got some quarterbacks he can bring with him. You know, a la USC, that would be nice because that's really what the I, was, I laugh too because I've heard all the national guys going. You know, oh, it's surprising he took Wisconsin because last year he turned down Notre Dame and turned down others. Well. Yeah. It was very clear, I'm not leaving in the middle of when we're making the college football playoff. Right. And and, and everybody's got to hire as soon as the regular season's over because they want to know now. National yeah. signing day and transfers. They're not going to wait for January. You can't. No. You can't afford to. No. Right. So, exactly. you know, he took himself out of running last year, not necessarily because he wasn't interested, but he wasn't going to pass up the chance to play for a national title. Can't blame him, man. No. And so, you know, everyone's shocked and, and, like I said, I'm disappointed he's leaving. They were going to the Big 12. You'd hope that was a big enough lure to keep him. Yeah. But, I mean, it's still the Big 10. Yeah. I, you can't fault a guy for that. And he no. definitely left the program in a much better spot than he found it. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. There'll be more coaching carousel stuff, so we'll follow all, these, all of that with college football. Um, big weekend. Conference championships. 
I may actually go to a game. I got an invitation to go to a SEC championship game. I might, might sneak go. up there. Dogs yeah. and Tigers? Dogs and Tigers. Of course, Tigers really hurt us. They, they needed a win. They made that game less interesting all the time. LSU did not do anybody any favors. Well, Brian Kelly uh, bring one, out his southern accent for that game. Uh, he might, you know. He might. The uh, Just before we go, May Electric Solar, you want to save money on your energy bill, do this. They've been in business 12 years. They're local. You get a 30-year labor and services warranty. They fix anything that goes wrong during those three decades, $750 worth of surge protection. May Electric Solar, they're the center energy experts. Call them at 727-819-2862. we got Matt Baker later in the week to talk all college football. Thanks for listening. Your mailbag questions tomorrow for Steve Burst at Gumrick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 